So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to For F1's Sake. I am Chica Ayres and this is a bonus episode for you today. Normally we cover the races in Formula One, but there are no races at the moment. So we have Terry bringing you something special. Terry, what have you got for us? Yeah, I was asked before Christmas to uh, dip back into my previous career of being a stand-up comic. And I did a gig called Science Show-Off. Now, Science Show-Off is basically where they get people who are real scientists, often proper real scientists, doing talks on various subjects. And I was asked if I could explain how a Formula 1 engine works. Are you a proper scientist? I'm not really a proper scientist, which as I was waiting to go on, I realised that my my talk would really favour heavily on the funny, not the... Wait, when you say not really a proper scientist, I mean, what kind of degree <laughs> are we looking at here? Not I mean, at all? I mean, just, just know, a doctorate or...? Yeah, I've technically... I mean, I've got a Bunsen burner. Really? I haven't, no. <laughs> that would have been very impressive little fact there, wouldn't it? No, I haven't. Um, it's I'm got I'm not a scientist, and uh, I, I fear that they were expecting more facts than I could give. Okay. But, you, but know, you, you have got an in-depth understanding of, of Formula One engines. Exactly. I know everything about them now, kind of. You know, I, I've kind of I blagged it. There's one <laughs> bit where I've forgotten an important number. That's how good I am. Okay, so is there anything else we need to know before we start listening? Yeah, well, there are a few photos I referenced during the uh, piece. It was like a PowerPoint thing. Some of the photos you can probably work out they are, it's quite obvious. There's one that's a picture of myself and my father when I was nine years old uh, at the British Grand Prix. And it's a very sweet picture, I put it on the website. And yeah, so just in case you wonder what that picture is, that's what it is. And the other picture? Uh, it's the human centipede. Okay, so this is Terry Saunders. Do- Dr. Terry Saunders. Dr. Terry Saunders presenting. MD. Pro- Professor Terry Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> presenting for F1's sake at Science Show Off. Yes! Oh, see, taller, Danger. definitely taller. Right. Now, Formula One. Have we got any Formula One fans in? Woo! Sorry. They don't know what sport is. Well, I don't blame it. It's a terrible sport. Um, I I am a fan of Formula One, but I'm, I must confess that I'm not uh, a lover of Formula One. I, I'm not a typical sports fan. I, I can't drive. Um, I don't really like cars. I don't really like sport, to be honest. But uh, I do like Formula One. Now, I'm involved in a Formula One podcast called... Well, I mean, who isn't involved in a podcast these days? But uh, for Formula One's sake, ff1s.com, and uh, we, we talk about Formula One after every race. And I should explain, I'm a Formula One fan only because of abandonment issues. Um, basically, my, my dad divorced my mum uh, when I was young, and he left, and he was a Formula One fan. And I think Freudian or something, I've... I developed the mantle of a Formula One fan, so I, I now watch every race, but I don't particularly like it. Now, uh, as proof, uh, here is a picture of me and my father. Um, <laughs> this is me. This is the British Grand Prix in 1990. Now, the British Grand Prix in 1990—I don't need to remind any of you—was when uh, the two very famous things happened. Nigel Mansell retired from the race, 
and then announced his retirement, only to rescind it and go back to sign for Williams. And also, it was a race where my father introduced me and my mum to his new wife, which made for a very frosty day out. Um, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about... <laughs> yeah, some of you are getting worried there. <laughs> this is quite tense. <laughs> tissue. No, I'm here to talk about Formula 1 engines. Now, that's the official uh, engine sign. Now, if you don't know much about Formula 1, you might think, what a wasteful sport for, for ecology. You know, it's just burning all those fuels all the time. And actually, in the last couple of years, Formula 1 have changed their entire rule base to make it far more ecologically sound. And Formula 1 cars don't even have engines anymore. They have what's officially called a power unit. Now, a power unit is made of three separate elements. First of all is the classic engine, the, uh, the petrol engine, which is dissolved dinosaurs or something, and uh, the dinosaurs developed into fuel and we burned the fuel and that's dinosaur farts come out. Um, so we know that bit. They're very efficient but they're still an engine. The second part is a turbo. Now if you don't understand how a turbo works, basically the exhaust gases from the engine are recycled back into the turbo which spins a little fan which then drives the engine around which gets free energy. Um, that is the right sign, isn't it? I don't know, I just, I just googled it. And the third is ERS. Now, ERS is the uh, energy recovery system. It used to be called KERS, KERS, the kinetic energy recovery. Now, I'm sure I don't need to explain to you lovely people here, but kinetic energy is very much like uh, having two pencils and an elastic band, and you tie them around, and when you let go, that's kinetic energy comes out. Now, when a Formula One car breaks, all of the energy that is used in the braking process is stored in a small battery that can then be recycled over on a straight, which means it's more efficient. Now, you might also hear that um, Formula One drivers talk about uh, how complicated a Formula One car is to drive all the buttons, and spare a thought for them, because when they brake, they've also got to twiddle two pencils around, and uh, it's, it's very hard. But a serious point is thermal efficiency. Now, all Formula One, all engines, right from, the, right from back in the day when engines were first built, have a thermal efficiency. Now, a thermal efficiency percentage rate is how efficient the engine is in terms of heat, and wasted heat, an engine just getting hot and not using that heat, is a waste. Now, most petrol engines, up until a couple of years ago, could average a thermal efficiency of about 30%. Now, if you don't understand what that means, that means for every horsepower, for every, every 30 horsepower you can get from your engine, 70 horses will die. And, um, <laughs> but Formula One, in the last two years alone from these new engine rules, have increased engine efficiency, uh, thermal efficiency up to 45%. That's a 15% increase in two years alone. It's quite impressive. And all this technology is trickling down into normal cars that we all drive, except I don't drive. I'm taking driving lessons. I'm terrible. Um, and also fuel conservation. Now, a few years ago, a Formula One race would uh, get through, I think I'm right in saying it was about uh, 75 kilograms of fuel for 100 kilometres. I should have written this down, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, now it's a lot better. They use 100 kilograms per race. It used to be about 140 kilograms per race. So they've taken 40 kilograms per race per car out of the, out of the mix. But of course, Formula One is powered, it's not just the three things that power a Formula One engine. The, the last one is political hot air, because also any Formula One race, you've got... Uh, the giant motorhomes they, they take around, you've got uh, the, the people coming in in their normal cars that aren't very efficient, and you've got them lugging all their cars and all their equipment around in big trucks. But actually, Formula One is carbon neutral. It's, it's an interesting statistic that one Grand Prix uses less carbon than France. <laughs> Sorry, no, the Tour de France. Yeah, that's, that's the real point. The Tour, de, the Tour de France uses more fuel stuff than a Formula One Grand Prix. Ooh, interesting. Not really. Right, now, 
Political hot air is what is the, uh, the final component of Formula One. If, if you follow Formula One, you might know that uh, it's, it's just a mess. It's like a soap opera between races. And there are basically four engine providers in Formula One right now. You've got, um, you've got Mercedes, who have walked here the last couple of years. They've got the most efficient, most fast engine. You've got Ferrari, who have been in Formula One since the start. And whenever they're not winning, they just complain and threaten to leave. And everyone goes, all right, we'll do what you want. Uh, you've got Renault, who used to be quite good, took a couple of years off, uh, but still just brought an engine, but just didn't work. And you've got Honda, who have come back this year, just this, this year just finished, and their engine is so pitifully bad, I'm pretty sure they've actually just bought two pencils and an elastic band and a, <laughs> and a dead dinosaur. Now, Red Bull, a team you may have heard of, had Renault engines. They're moaning because their engine's been shit, and they decided to ditched the Renault engine and uh, they, they started to ask the other teams if we could use your engine. All the other teams said no. So they've started to posture this idea that there should be a budget engine in Formula One. Now, it's a, it's a political move. It wasn't really going to happen. But for the FIA, the uh, Fédération Internationale Automatique, uh, based in France, thank you, uh, sent this expression of interest out to um, propose for a new budget engine for Formula One. And this is where our podcast comes in because we managed to get hold of one of the uh, expression of interest forms <laughs> and we asked our listeners to uh, suggest the best ways for the, uh, for the new engine to take place. Now what happened, we got this very long spreadsheet through and the spreadsheet had all the different facts of the engine, all the things you need, all the suggested things, very helpful because it was all gibberish to us, all the suggested things that their engine should have and then the space for our answers. So we opened it out on a Google Doc and uh, these are some of our, our favourite answers. So first of all, Engine architecture, they suggested V, and that means the way the valves sit on an engine in a V shape. Um, and oh, we came back with um, Gothic. Because um, <laughs> frankly, there's not enough spires in engines. Um, power, kilowatts. Now, they said it should be possibly to be tuned down to 530 kilowatts at less than 640 to qualifying and race levels. Complete maximum boost, pressure versus engine rev curve will be imposed by the FIA. Targets for Q and race may be different. We've said power. More than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> in period development, they said there's no development to catch competition, which means when you bring this engine in, you can't develop it. You've just got to keep it stuck. We've just quite cockily said you can't develop perfection. Um, drive. Must be provided on engine, same for all. We've said we're really fucking focused. Um, camshaft material. They said it's a free choice. We've gone for metal. Um, <laughs> Throttle command. It can be hydraulic or electric. We went for, you shall throttle. <laughs> <laughs> Variable systems are not permitted. We said sometimes. Um, crankcase material. Free choice. We've gone for pine. I just think, just offset the niceness there. Uh, oil tank location. It's a free choice. We've said London SE3. <laughs> where I live. Uh, measurements. Now, there's a lot of measurements. These are some of the examples. Filtration of... Uh, Oil filter, distance between front and rear fixing points. We've just gone for, for four for everything. So every, every single measurement on the engine was four. High pressure pump, free choice. We said we've got a low pressure one, but you put your finger over the hole, it comes out quicker. <laughs> fixing point on the gearbox. In compliance with the F1 technical regulations, we've said the driver might have to hold it down on the straights. So uh, we've, we've compiled this. I, I put it in a proper document, and uh, just at the last minute, I put it in Comic Sans to piss them off. And, uh, <laughs> I prepared, I prepared to send this out, and I got a bit worried because I thought, well, the FIA are bastards, and there's a horrible chance they might say, all right, 
you can have it. And I'd be like, oh God, what are we going to do? So I came up with a brilliant scheme of how to pay for this. And that is, the, the, you had to have a, there's a box also for fuel provider, and we've put in uh, Sainsbury's Unleaded, and I've worked out that from the nectar points we would get, <laughs> yeah. we could pay for the entire engine programme. It's brilliant. <laughs> so we sent this off, and in typical F1 style, the day after the uh, engine submission date was over, they, there came out a, a thing that, that there'd been a meeting for the Formula One Commission, and they decided actually they're not going to go ahead with a budget engine after all. Now, we'd applied, and as a joke maybe, but some real engine manufacturers had actually put in a proper expression of interest. This is how terrible Formula One is. And in one of the news reports, uh, it said yesterday's meetings acknowledged the full credible expressions of interest <laughs> made for the manufacturer and supply of a less expensive alternate customer engine. Full credible. Now, that either means one of two things. Either our joke engine proposal was credible, or, according to the FIA, we are incredible. <laughs> and I like to say the fact that we're incredible. Now, thank you very much. That's me done. There's my podcast. Come to the website. Um, your podcast, Terry? Well, I, I meant the collective mine. <laughs> I just... Oh. The royal mine. <laughs> I was scared that it wasn't going that well, so I thought, I, wouldn't, I don't want to lump you two into this with me. Mm, I oh, think you're very seen. generous, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> so, Terry, mm-hmm. let's, just, let's just pick up on a little thing here. 30% to 45%. 15% increase. It's not a 15% increase, Terry. It went flat. <laughs> <laughs> 45%, that's a 50% increase, because it's 15 more, and, and, and 15 is half 30. Have you ever done a live gig? Have you ever been on stage with the audience staring at you I've, with their sight gen- eyes? <laughs> genuinely, and I'm not, the, I'm not making this up for comic the, effect. The sweat run down your buttocks. I am not making this up for comic effect, Terry. I have played the Royal Albert Hall. Oh. When? <laughs> In 1994, school's prom, represent. <laughs> so I'm, I'm familiar with the pressures of showbiz. <laughs> And I wouldn't have made that mistake. You didn't see me with the National Children's Orchestra going, well, oh, up, 30% to 45%, that's 15% more. They'd have laughed at me. You went up you a don't... demi note when it should have been a semi-demi note. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew more music. <laughs> 15% increase of 30% would be, would be a different number. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, actually, that I was being so authoritative at that point. They figured that they were wrong. They figured that it was a genuine lecture. They kind of went, oh, hang on, I always thought that, that would be a 50% increase, but now I'm thinking about it, I think it's 15. But it is a 15% addition increase. It's no, it's not at all. Yeah, no, te- it's yeah, just technically. I think that the way we do percentages is should be thrown away. Thank you very much, Terry Saunders. That was Phil Tromans. We'll be back very soon with a testing podcast. But until then, I'm Chikres. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.